All right, well, welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm your host, Eric Nevins. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I just want to let you know everything we do here, links to everything, and I know there'll be at least one good link for you here today. You can find it at halfwaytherepodcast.com. I'm excited to introduce you today to my guest. She is a fellow podcaster, and she's interested in exploring the difficult questions that everyone has about God and why things happen. I'm sure we're going to get into that today. My guest is Teresa Blaze. Hi, Teresa. Welcome to Halfway There. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to do it. We've gotten acquainted a little bit in uh, the uh, podcast group that we have, Christian uh, Podcast Association, and we talked about that last week with Phil. So I'm really glad to have you in there, but I wanted to make your acquaintance and hear some more of your story. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd love to uh, tell it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast and kind of where God has you right now? And then we'll go back and dig through a little bit and see how you got here. Okay. Well, as Eric said, my name is Teresa Blaze. I am the host of the Unresolved Life podcast. Um, and it is a podcast that is centered around answering life's most difficult questions. It is founded on Isaiah 118, which reads, um, Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. And as a part of my statement of faith that I've actually taken the time to, you know, write down and, and find and so on and so forth. One of the things that I honestly believe is that there are answers to um, some of the difficult questions that I don't care whether you're a Christian or you're not. Everybody has them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's profound. So you took the time to actually sort out what you believe and wrote it down. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's awesome. Why did you do that? I mean, it's unusual. Um, because I have never been one to take anything at face value, including God or the Bible. Mm. Um, I, 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 I just have never, and, and even now, I still find myself going. I have two very wonderful ladies that are uh, very that pretty much wa have walked with me at least in this latest version of where I'm at now. And I have literally sent them a text at night after reading a verse of scripture going, you mind explaining this? Because I mean, was Peter, for example, the one of the last texts that I sent was, was Peter just scatterbrained when he wrote this passage? <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. I just am not one of those ones that I'm going to sit there and, Read a passage or read something and take it at face value. It says that God's word is, is good for this or that, but then I go, but is it? And if not, then what do I believe? Yeah, and it's important to test those things um, and just test and and to even ask God. You know, he he certainly can answer those things. Um, well, that's great. That's that's definitely an insight into kind of how God's made you as a questioner to find out. You know what? What is really right and true here? Mm-hmm. I think everybody, whether you want to admit it or not, comes up against these things. And for some, they don't deal with them. I especially find that within the Christian church. Um, I believe that things happen, and then you sit there and you go, 
yeah, but the church and everybody tells me that God is good, but this what I've had happen doesn't jive with God being good, so therefore I don't know what to do with it, so I'm just going to bury it down and not deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, right, and it is something that we have to deal with. Okay, so your podcast sounds like you deal with some really serious questions. Yes, sir, I do. Absolutely, that's that's fantastic. I've listened to a little bit, and I can testify that is definitely true. Take us back into your story. I know that you came to Christ later in life. Yeah, and why, I did. Tell us that story. Coming to Christ for me was uh, a challenge. I was I grew I grew up in a non Christian home. I mean, they believed in God, but it was a broken home in many respects. I, um, for example, I witnessed a murder when I was six, six years old. Oh wow! And it was of my sister. And well, between that, huh? Well, that's traumatic. Uh, yeah, that was. I didn't know what to do with that stuff, and sure. so I, over time. Between that and a few other events in my life, I came to the view that I really didn't give a damn about God because he probably didn't care about me. Yeah. And um, I just, I, I, I just, I just wrote him off, you know? Sure, there were people that were religious. I probably, I, I didn't go so far as to say I didn't believe in him, but I mean, I believed in him, but he was probably just up in the sky and he probably didn't really give a care. And so why should I bother dealing with him? And I lived that way most of my early life. Um, You know, I grew up, my mom, she did her very best to raise me. um, But she had a habit of finding abusive men. And so, you know, you can imagine some of the fun of that situation. I got. I moved into my my early teens, and I met a lady named Debbie Hartz, who was my English teacher at the time. It turned out because I was going to a school for the blind uh, in Arizona, and my mom and dad wanted to move to New Mexico, but I needed a place to stay on the weekends because the way the school worked was you you stay at the school during the weeks, but then you go home on the weekends. Well. If they were going to New Mexico, you know, obviously I needed a place to stay, and this teacher opened up her home. What I didn't realize is that she was one of the religious sorts. You know, she was a follower of Christ. Okay. And I rem- and so she started talking to me about God, and my first my first gut reaction is, "Do not talk to me about your God until you prove to me He exists." Yeah. Okay. I need to back you up a little bit because we haven't talked <laughs> sure. about this, but you mentioned you were at a school for the blind. Yes, sir. So you're blind. Yeah, I am. Okay. Yeah, we haven't established that. I think it'd be helpful for people to know. So you have you have all these you have all these questions, these deep questions about God. Yeah. Okay. And uh I mean does that factor into it? Very much so. Okay. Um and in fact, I mean, even later on in life I I st- I to this day have have very deep uh, questions. I'm I'm not one of those Christians where I just I I can't take it at face value. I just can't. I believe that he died on the cross, and I believe you know certain things. But then there are times where life just screams otherwise, and I'm going, okay, wait. <laughs> right. And so, 
but I mean, it really did. It it did factor into it at the time, but I didn't know how to answer those questions, and I didn't even know how to ask them. Um, and so it was better just to play off the, you know, make jokes about the oh she's just being too all religious and stuff, and you know I I don't even believe in God, you know, even though I really did, and I really did have a lot of questions, mm. but it was so much easier just to bury those and 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 you know t- turn to things that made fun of it and yeah. i think that's know. so fascinating because i as you're talking i'm i'm thinking of a lot of people that i know who i think have similar kinds of experiences where they um they believe in god they just don't know what to do with some of the some of the anomalies right they're not sure what what do we what do I do with this? Or right, and um, and, and yeah. that's huge. It's it's very huge, and I mean, it took me a long time um, to even come to the point of okay, Jesus, I actually do believe in you, and I believe that you died on the cross. Even coming to that point was, I mean, because see, when I was going to that school, um, and this actually plays a part. As well, um, I believed in. I believed there was something. I believed there was something out there. If you wanted to call it a god, sure, go ahead. Not you know, be my guest, whatever. Um, but see, the school itself was built on an Indian burial ground, so naturally, you have all these ghost stories. And you know, I was okay. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Well, uh, not to go off onto rabbit trails, but. Basically, what happened was I had an experience where I encountered something supernatural at that school. Really? I am very what, certain that what, it was – I what, do not believe in ghosts. I, I believe it was a demonic spirit. What happened? I was out with my friends. Uh, we were out, and at the time, uh, there was a dorm, and it was vacant. Everybody knew it was vacant, and so normally you would expect a dorm to have all its lights off. Um. We looked over, or at least I did, and I noticed that that light, the light was on in the foyer because it had what it had was you know you had the dorm and then it had like a, a porch area that was concrete and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw the light on and I'm like, "What's up with this?" You know, so naturally I got curious. Um, I uh, we went over and it was just me and a couple other of my friends. And we're just talking and okay, yada, yada, yada. I mean, we didn't, I mean, I looked in the dorm and I looked in the, and I didn't see anybody, but all the lights were on. And I, and I'm like, okay, that's weird. This shouldn't be happening unless someone's in there. Well, as we're talking, I heard a voice. Um, I would describe it like as close as someone standing next to me. I heard a voice and it said, children. It sounded kind of ethereal, kind of echoey, and it sounded female huh. in nature. Um, I immediately reacted. I looked over at my friends. I'm like, please tell me you guys didn't hear that. And they did. And immediately, I mean, because they both um, said that they had heard something. And immediately, I had a gut-wrenching fear. It was like, oh, my God, what the bleep is this? What, what am I, and all I knew was run. 
I literally ran out of there because I was so afraid. I didn't know what it was I was dealing with. But I knew for a fact but that whatever it was knew that we were out there. Yeah. And I immediately went, what do I do with what I just had happen? Yeah. What is it that I encountered? Because, and I didn't know what to do with that. And I, um, I was like, okay, if that, uh, <laughs> all those ghost stories, I'm taking them at face value now. Um, yeah. Well, you know what? I believe you because I've had a similar experience one time when we were camping. I won't go into all the details, but my whole family heard a voice say hello to us. And we were like, oh, we're out of here. It was when well, we were in a tent. It was, it was, it was nuts. And it was like nothing I've ever heard before. We looked out and there was nobody there. It's crazy. But right. uh, so, yeah, I've had a similar experience where it's like, oh, okay. I don't know what to do with that. We were little kids, you know, whatever. But right, right. it's definitely, well, I mean, there's spiritual things out now, there. Now, looking back on it, I think God let me experience that to show me there is something sp- supernatural. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're going to have to decide what side you're on. Yeah. Wow. Um, and that for me was massive. I didn't know, I didn't know it at the time. I, I know that, and I didn't talk to a lot of people about it. I just know that it happened. Yeah. So Um, can I clarify something? I'm sorry. I don't want to ask too much about this, but so you, you're at the school for the blind, but you said you looked over there and you saw the lights. So help, help me. I had partial sight. You had part. Okay. Um, I, I had, um, I grew up partially blind. I'm totally blind now. Okay. Um, but at the time I had partial sight. And so I was like, I could, I couldn't see the features of your face, but I could see your face. You could see that it was there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's good. I just think wanted to close that question for everybody. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being so open about that. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're so you're there and you're spending your weekends with this teacher who's a believer. There was a day where, you know, she had a Bible study in her home, you know, I think it was like on a Friday night. And they decided that that was a perfect time to give me, quote unquote, the gospel. You know, the whole Jesus died for you. You're going to have to make a decision, yada, yada, yada. And it was the first time I had actually heard it laid out in a clear, concise way. I was very, I won't say I was antagonistic, although I kind of was. Um, she knew that I was not re- ready to receive. I, I, At least I don't, I don't think she knew if I was ready to receive. I certainly, I didn't do it that night. I was very um, just like, yeah, but what about this and what about that? And, you know, there's a lot of other people that believe spiritual stuff. I mean, because at the time I was listening to things like Coast to Coast AM, that kind of thing, uh-huh. which deals a lot in the um, occult and seeking answers, but not in a Christian format. Yeah. If there's something weird, Coast to Coast is going to talk about it. Exactly. <laughs> Aliens. <laughs> you know, and, yeah, I was kind of curious about it. Okay. Yeah, me too. Um, so I would I growing up I would be sitting there playing with Play-Doh or molding clay or whatever and listening to that. So, you know, I was obviously curious, but I was like I don't know what to do with with this whole religion thing and with this god thing and I had also started kind of reading the Left Behind series cuz I thought, well, interesting. I'm not sure if it's true, but it's interesting. I good fiction. Um and so Eventually, she took me to a uh, Christian bookstore to show me some Christian music. 
which, you know, at the time I was, I was full blown country, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, I had kind of listened through a couple of songs and I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Kind of religious-y, whatever. And then I, I got, I ran across a song by Stephen Curtis Chapman. Um, and it was called, uh, Speechless. Oh yeah. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, it is. And for some reason, I just kept replaying that song over and over because there was something about it that it just hit me on a level that I couldn't do something. I didn't know what to do with it. Um, what what was it that, what was it that was hard to understand? Was is it really about just simple belief? I mean, mm. I wanted. Is it really just about the simple belief? I mean, is God even real? And it, I mean, if I if I if I go in and I start believing, well, that makes you know. <laughs> I I don't know what I I don't know if I actually believe that. Can I actually trust in this? Yeah. Does this even have any remotely the answers that I need? I don't know. Um, but again, in that, in that song, the gospel was laid out, you know, what kind of love could this be that would trade heaven's throne for a cross and to thank you still celebrate over finding just one that was lost. Yeah. Those lyrics just hit me. But I, I, again, I was like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I couldn't come to that place. Um, I finally, it was around Christmas time, and I moved out because um, my mom and dad were living in um, New Mexico at the time. And I distinctly remember the ride home um, from the airport. And I asked my mom, have you ever read the Le- this Left Behind series thing? And her answer was, no, yes. Has Debbie Hart been teaching you religion? <laughs> and I'm like, we've talked about that. I don't appreciate that. I taught you about God. And I immediately knew, well, I, yeah, okay. Which means if I even consider going down this road, yeah, this is going to make things difficult. Um, about, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know from, from, that time on, I'm not really sure when it happened, but I, I um, I listened to a show called Night Sounds by Bill. I cannot remember Bill Knight. I think his name was. I don't remember right off, but basically the message that he gave was: I'm talking to someone who has heard this message before. You know it's true. Why not give it a chance? What do you have to lose? I turned off the radio and I don't even remember the prayer I prayed. I just, it was just something in my mind that said, all right, fine. All right. And I, I just told God I'm yours. I, I, I believe, um, that you died on the cross. I, I, I believe all that. Let's go for it. Um, and that's, Essentially, how I came to the Lord. Now, the aftermath of that was another story. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, well, tell tell us that. But that's definitely. I mean, you were ready. It was just a matter of 
you had to kind of get there. How long did that take you? A year and a half. Okay. All right. And how old were you? I think I was about 16. Okay. So you were, you were a teenager. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you said the aftermath was a story. Yes, sir. Um, I became a believer, but the problem is I had absolutely no way to learn. I had no Bible of my own. Mm-hmm. I had no discipleship. Um, and so I start scrounging through the radio, um, finding like Bible teachings. Yeah. Um, and I start trying to do things a little bit differently, but the problem was I always had the issue of, well, you know, once my mom, my parents learned that I was quote religious now, they thought it was a phrase phase. They thought I'd get over it when they realized I wouldn't. Their whole thing was, well, don't push it. Okay. Um, like, you know, no, you're not going to go to church because, you know, I don't need, I don't, I don't need you going so super religious, you know, you know, we know about God and, and I, I tried, um, I was pretty much the only believer in my family and that was a very, uh, difficult, um, you know, because there were many times I'm like, God, I don't even know. Did I even make the right decision? This is, this is hell on earth. I, I don't know how to do this. Well, that can be very hard, especially, you know, just wanting your family to understand the good news that you've found and that you've, you know, found mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Um, you know, that's hard. And then if they're making life hard for you on top of that, that's just, uh, yeah, I've had friends who had that situation. I, I get that. That's very hard. It was. Um, eventually, I finally ended up being able to get in because we moved back to Arizona. And I was able to end up getting back into a church or get into a church. Um, but then it was, well, you know, if you, it, you know, if you get in trouble, we'll just ground you from church. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Um, Cause they knew that that's what you. Yeah, exactly. Wanted. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, um, but that was also where I, you know, really started to kind of grow and sort of, get some kind of grounding and some understanding of God. And, um, for the first time a year and a half later, since I actually made the decision or maybe about a year later, I don't even know since I made the decision for Christ, I, f- I finally get some discipleship. And that was at that church that you were going to. Yeah. It was Calvary Chapel, North Phoenix. Okay. It can sometimes take a little bit of time. You were, you were finding what you could on the radio and then you finally got into a church where you could, get some, get some learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Okay. Uh, so, so take us. Yeah. That's basically how things came down. Describe for us a time when you had, you learned something about God that just kind of blew your mind. I, um, wow. Um, my first time hearing him, my first time hearing him, um, the idea that he would actually want to speak to me. Um, I was, I was laying in 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 bed, and you know I'm 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 still in New Mexico at the time, but I'm kind of laying in bed, kind of doing my thing, and I heard I heard him like speak to me, and he said, "Pray for Deb, pray for Debbie Hearts," 
And I'm like, okay, I have, I don't know what this is about. Okay. Um, and so I did. And when I talked to her, uh, a couple days later, her, her, she told me around the time that I was told to pray, they had gotten in a car accident. Wow. No injuries. The wow. car itself was totaled, but no injuries. I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> okay. Um, so God what, wanted what? me to pray so I could learn. Okay. <laughs> yeah, what did God sound like? It was just, it was kind of like a thought that I knew was not my own. Mm -hmm. Very loud and very disruptive. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before and I've, I've experienced it too. It's um, not common for me. Some people it is, but it's uh, definitely outside of yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. It's really hard to explain because you sit there yeah. and you go, I'm not sure how to describe that. Um, yeah. It's... When you hear him, um, it's, 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 a uh, you know, you know, Jesus says in, uh, John, um, he says, my sheep know me, you know, I, I, they, they follow, they know my voice and they follow me. And to that point, I didn't know what he sounded like. I didn't even know if I could hear him. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. still kind of learning some of that. Well, that know? was going to be my next question. Like, is that something, did you, have you ever found anybody who mentored you in the hearing of God? Off and on. Yeah. Off and on. People are out there. But it's, it's, it's uncommon. It's still, yeah. It's still, um, something that I'm learning. I'm re really diving in a lot into, uh, Ransom Tart Ministries, their material. Yeah. Um, John Eldridge has a book called Walking with God. Yeah, I was going to actually pick that one up, actually. It's pretty good. I would recommend it. It's it's very good. It's one that uh, that I enjoyed on, on I, that kind of topic. I, I loved, I, I, I mean, there are some books that he has written that I've been like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, um, his uh, beautiful outlaw where he talks about Christ, I, that, that one just really like, I've never thought about him that way. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm just, I'm hungry. I'm just, I'm trying to figure things out. Um, you know, it's. Yeah. Absolutely. If I, if I, if I may, can I tell another story about, oh. about a time that I heard from God? Please. Like clearly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was married. I'm, I'm married by this time. Um, and we had gone down to the corner store, you know, to get something to drink. And there's this guy, and he is loud and belligerent, and he's on the phone. And Mike and I are just trying to go in and, you know, get our drink and come back home. And we come back out, and we get about halfway across the parking lot, and we hear this guy yelling, Mom, I don't have anywhere else to go. And again, halfway across the parking lot, and I distinctly heard God tell me, you have a piece of floor you could lend him. <laughs> and I'm thinking, 
no, no, we're not doing that. No. <laughs> I look over at Mike and he's like, I just heard him tell me you have a place you can let him stay. Wow. And I'm like, <laughs> you do. Um, yeah, I kind of heard something similar. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm like, okay, I don't know this guy from Adam, but I approach him and I'm like, um, we just kind of heard your conversation. Uh, well, everybody could have, <laughs> but it's, we, you know, we're willing to let you stay the night at our place if you, if you want it. Well, you know, get his stuff and turns out the guy was strung out on crack. And I mean, completely strung out. He was thin as a wafer and he was coming down off of that. If you know anything about that, it's you like literally don't you, you run for a few days and then you come down off of that high. And this guy was coming down, and he was coming down hard. And, you know, Mike and I did our best to minister in that situation and talk to him and give him the gospel. And then we got him into, a like, a Christian um, drug treatment place that was in our town. I think the biggest issue on, at when, in dealing with that was one of the things that, that I, I remember very clearly was I would not have done that had Mike not confirmed it. Yeah. Wow. So because you both heard it and were, so that's an interesting point, right? Cause you're in your, you're in community, right? It's not just mm -hmm. that you heard something. It's that you heard something and Mike heard something and yeah. you said, you know what? We need to do this. And yeah. so the community and, of the two of you mm -hmm. went and took care of this guy. And it was, you know, I always ask Mike, remember Jake? <laughs> you know, uh -huh. and he knows exactly what I'm talking about because it was a very unique situation for us. Wow. Yeah, that that is powerful. That's, a, that's such a great experience to kind of like to hear um, because I think it's true. God does these things all the time if we're just paying attention and just listening and trying to figure out what uh, what he wants from us. Here's a question, though. Why is it if you can have those times hearing from him so clearly, then does he sound does it sound like you're trying to think and pray through mud when you try and talk to him the next time? <laughs> because you're not the one in control of it. <laughs> right? True. It's this, so this is one of those things that I um came to. I've told the story a couple times, I guess, but I'll share it with you. The uh well, so I went to seminary and one of the things when you finish up, at least at my school is a, uh, they do an oral exam where they just, they ask you questions about theology and you right. have to prove you're not a heretic. Right. Right. So, um, they're asking me questions and the, that year, one of the questions, uh, that I think everybody was asked had, had kind of made the rounds. Once a few people go through it, it kind of filters through everybody. And so mm -hmm. I was prepared, but they asked a question about, um, does God change his mind? You know, now that's an interesting question. It's a fascinating question. Lord, yeah. Well, well, the Lord does says he do, he relented or changed his mind, right? In some situations, and yet there are segments of theology theologies, some theologies that will um, say that God can never change his mind. But then, what do you do with those passages? So I thought about uh, this. Good question. Yeah, right. So I, I'm thinking about this. And I'm trying to figure out what what is that? What does this mean? And here's the answer I came to. I said, God 
will never change in his essential character or um, plans for history, right? His, um, who he is is never going to change what he's going, what he, the goal that he wants to accomplish in the history of the world is going to happen. That will never change. Right. But he is a personal God and persons, you know, like just like you're, you know, in your relationship with your spouse or your, you know, family or other people, individuals have the opportunity to respond to certain things, right? They're not robots. And neither is God. God's not a robot. So he sometimes is, sometimes, you know, he's close and he's there and he's speaking to you and he wants to speak to you. And sometimes he wants you to feel that tension maybe, you know, or there's things in your spirit that make you not able to to hear and you have to work those out and he works those out. Um, but God is personal. And so sometimes he is, sometimes you have, you have to treat him like a person. Anyway, that was my, that's how I resolved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if, you know, that works for everybody, but that was my, that was, that was something I learned about God that was just like, I have to, I have to just think of him as a, as a person. Well, I mean, I mean, the word does say he's personal, you know, but I mean, and, and there are so many, there are situations like, like, um, case in point where, um, look at the situation with Abraham, you know, where he starts going down to Abraham. Abraham, I'm going to go wipe out these people. I mean, I'm done with them. They, they're they just mucked up and evil and I'm done. And Abraham is like, okay, yeah, but what if there's a, some righteous people? And right. What do you have? You, he starts bargaining with God and, and you start going and then God's, well, I won't do it if there's, you know, these people. Yeah. And they, really? They- the interesting thing about that is God doesn't get mad at Abraham, right? He's not right. upset with him. He just says, okay, well, if there were that many people, I would do it, but there's not. Right. <laughs> you know? And so Moses does the going, same thing. Okay. So then Abraham, he bargains with God and yet God isn't upset with him. What does that mean? Does that mean that he doesn't mind us challenging him? As long as, I mean, there's got to be, obviously, and I say that with a caveat, um, because I mean, he obviously wants respect. I mean, if you look at Job, when Job went off the rails and God's like, Hey dude, where were you when I did this? And I did that. Yeah. Um, and even that yeah. though, that conversation is done. If you read it with love toward Job, it changes. Mm-hmm. It takes a whole different character, you know, where like, Oh no, God is discipling Job in a way, you know, but um, yeah, that's interesting. I'll yeah. Let's ask you. <laughs> yeah, I have to um, let me know what you think of that. But um, <laughs> yeah, I will. I will do so. <laughs> um, because I've always read it like he was ripping Job apart. You know, after you know, I mean, you've got these 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 friends of his um, who were like, well, you obviously have screwed up somewhere, so you might as well admit it and call it a day. Mm-hmm. And and then you got God who comes in and going and I mean bam he's just like hey where were you when I did this and I did that and yada yada and I'm like that didn't he didn't he never answered his questions nope he just he just smacked him upside the head and I'm like I don't I I have always had a problem with that passage but he gave God gives Job a revelation of who he is which is exactly what Job needed. And if you look at Job's response, then Job is repentant, right? He's like, oh, I'd heard of you, but now I've seen you. 
and his whole okay. his whole view gets changed because he has God reveals to him who he is. And in the so this is this is my contention that we don't change until we have an encounter with the living God. Um and that once once we do that, then we see him clearly and we see ourselves clearly. Mm, okay. That that actually makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, I want to go back to you because I could talk about this stuff all day. I've got <laughs> whatever. But um so you so th- I wanted to talk about um, as we sort of t- started to to go into this, but you you're fascinated with these deep questions, the the stuff that people that are really meaningful. I think Job fits right into that, right? That's the same kind of mm-hmm. kind of question. Like, okay, what God? What is going on? He was dealing with those things, so I can see why you're attracted to him. Um, the but I want to know, or I want to hear a story, maybe if you've had a time when after you became a believer, you felt like God was far away or distant or, you know, you struggled with, with him. Yes. Um, um, about seven years ago, I, maybe longer. Um, at the time, um, I was married. I had had my daughter, uh, she was, you know, she had all her medical issues. I got a phone call at 4 a.m. saying that my mom had died. Mm. Um, I don't know whether she overdosed because at the time she was heavily addicted to pain medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, or if she committed suicide, I don't know whether she intended to or not. Two days later. I went in uh, because um, the retina had detached on my remaining eye. And I went in to see if I could get it fixed. And I was kind of half awake because they needed to know whether I was able to see, you know, as they were working on me. Mm -hmm. And I had had so many surgeries up to this point because I'd had over 100 eye operations on each eye. Wow. Um. But the doctor, he tried repairing it, and he said there was too much scar tissue, and there was nothing he could do. Oh wow! The this on top of I had the state trying to take my daughter because they thought that we were too blind to be a parent, and I, as soon as I heard that, as I was laying on that table. And I heard that there was nothing they could do, and I knew what that meant. I knew that that meant I would be totally blind. And my eye was already hurting. I was already in pain. And my faith pretty much died. Mm -hmm. I was done. I completely walked away. Wow, what did that look like? What did that mean for you? It meant I went to church because I had to. But I wouldn't, I wasn't, I wasn't content. It meant that I, I dove very heavily into, um, text-based gaming. Uh, MUDs, multi-user dungeons. Um. And, um, I became very addicted to it. Um, 
I, I made a lot of friends there, and it was just easier to play in those worlds than to deal with what was going on around me. Yeah. Um, I had a church, and I had a pastor who at the time realized that I was addicted and was dealing with the addiction, but didn't realize what was going on behind it. Mm-hmm. And he was he was coming after me over the addiction, and and then I you know again I had my uh, they had taken my daughter by this point, oh, and I didn't I didn't know I didn't know how to deal with it I didn't know how to deal with this stuff sure of course um and I I just I near I I mean I nearly lost my marriage over it um I I just by this time I was done with God. I was done. I went to church because it was expected. Everybody expected me to be, you know, the church goer by this time. And I, uh, I would go, but I really didn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds like a really painful time. Uh, what happened? What, how did you, how did you resolve that? How did God resolve that in your life? Um, it's still in the process of being resolved. Yeah. Um, but how a year ago and, uh, I went, we were going to a Calvary chapel. Um, and I went to a women's conference. Well, um, let me back up. There was a women's conference that uh, at Mike's parents' church that I was asked to go to, and um, I don't remember a lot of what happened, but I remember account- an encounter with the speaker who found me because she had a word for me, and I'm like, okay, and oh, she's wow. like, you're going to end up doing some public speaking, and I'm like, right. Yeah, okay. I'm going to just take that and file it somewhere in the vault. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then um, I ended up in a, uh, I ended up at a women's conference with uh, Calvary. And we were sitting at a prayer meeting. You know, one of those prayer breakout sessions where they talk about prayer and this and that and stuff that I'd, I'd kind of forgotten. Um, and it was around my time and I was supposed to say something and I remember saying it and I realized and it was like God spoke to me and he said, you're still angry at me over your blindness. Hmm. And I was like, yeah, and. <laughs> Right. Okay. <laughs> um. You know, he didn't really answer that. <laughs> um, but wow. a little bit later on in the conference, uh, he tells me, "By the way, you know that stuff that happened over twenty years ago in your life? I want you to write a book on it." And I'm like, "How about not and say we did? Absolutely not. We're not doing that." Mm. Because you didn't want to go back through it? I, oh, no. <laughs> I did not. Yeah, I had course. absolutely no desire. Um, and, I mean, well, part of it was there were so many things that I hadn't dealt with. I hadn't really dealt with the issue with my sister. I hadn't dealt with a lot of the crap that happened in my childhood. Yeah. That takes a long time um, sometimes. Yeah. And... 
towards the end of the the um conference, it was kind of like a at an afterglow service. You know, all the teaching is done, and so they're worshiping. And I finally opened up to one of the ladies that I had gotten to know, and I told her. But it was funny because I didn't talk to her about the blindness issue or the fact that I lost my mom. I opened up about my sister. Oh, wow. And somehow in that, I think I just decided I got to come back. But I didn't know. I don't remember consciously making the choice to come back. I just started doing things again. that, And I remember, you know... Um, trying to get out of the addiction which in itself is hard um took me over a year to get out of that wow um uh did you did you start writing did i what start writing oh yeah oh yeah um i had actually started writing well did i start writing the book you mean yeah it's in process okay um, <laughs> I was curious if that was uh, something that you'd heard and and consequently pursued. I am it. it, it I fought with him for like six months over that one. Mm-hmm. Like I am not doing this. We're not going there. Um, and but like you know, one one thing I've learned about him is when he's determined, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to end up doing what he wants you to do. Oh, you think so? I think so. <laughs> I really do. Teresa, I love that. When, he, when he's determined and he gets your attention and he doesn't let up, it's kind of like a dog with a bone. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and by that event, you're either going to end up doing what he wants you to do or, or you know, he's just going to turn up the heat. Yep. And I think, you know, that's... Um, but then, you know, I'm sitting there going... It was funny because he kind of went, all right, so if you're not willing to write, then I want you to deal with these questions through a podcast. What? I mean, because I'd already launched one podcast uh, for our business. What, what is your business? Uh, we do internet marketing. Okay. Um, we're kind of pivoting at the moment, but we, you know we do internet marketing for local businesses and helping them fix their websites, that kind of thing. Cool. So, um, I'm like, okay. And I wasn't sure what to call it. I, and you know, over time, that's how unresolved came about is it, it's come about out of my dealing with half of the stuff that I'm trying to sort through. Yeah. Um, and I would say it's uh, it's still in process. Yeah, and I think that's okay. I I don't say that to be trite, but I think that's just part of the journey, and certainly part um, certainly part of yours. I don't I don't know where you are on that, but that's I think it's pretty normal. I would say there are many times where I still am like, God, you don't make a. You don't make sense. You don't make sense. I don't get you. Um, I would say that in dealing with the murder of my sister, I've forgiven the man that did it. Um, you know, um, I've written a letter to him 
but I haven't sent it to him because I'm going to be including it in this book that the Lord has me writing. Um, I would say that there are often many times that I've been questioning whether he's good. Even though I know what the word says, sometimes I think what the word says and what the world shows you doesn't add up. Right. And so it's very hard to um, make that leap from this is what the word says and okay, I, I agree with it in my head to I know it and I actually believe it. Yeah, there's a there's a huge difference between just reading something and believing it and actually experiencing it. And, uh, you know, what I hear from you is that that those experiences in many that you had are, they're two different things. Mm -hmm. And so the struggle is to, to trust God. The interesting thing though, Teresa is you have a very intimate relationship with him that a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of evangelicals just don't have, or they might be attracted to, but they don't necessarily have those kinds of experiences. And I think that's, that's really, I think it's probably because you're willing to wrestle with those, those big questions and be honest with them. One of the things that I have learned is that if you're not honest with him, he can't work. I mean, he'll work and he'll work on a shallow level. A very, it's like, um, it's like, uh, when you have a kid, um, and you, and you want to take up swimming, and, uh, you know, you, you give them all the floaties and you let them play in the shallow end. And, I mean, that's great. They're swimming. That's great. But then eventually they grow up and they should be able to swim by now. And so you let them go in the deep end. You know? Mm -hmm. um, I think to some degree, I think God kind of lets us... <laughs> I think a lot of Christians, they get content in the shallow end. And I think they get content in the shallow, um, well, okay, I believe Jesus died for me and yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, died for me, he rose again. And maybe they even get sucked in this prosperity gospel. Well, you know, God, God will give all this good stuff to me. and But then you sit there and go, okay, even if that's true, this prosperity stuff, even if that's true, what do you do with the, the suffering? Right. Because um, you might want to look at Hebrews where it talks about, you know, it talks about all the mm -hmm. people he delivered. And then it talks about all the people that he didn't. And, you know, they got fed to lions, sawed in two, this, that, and the other. Yeah, in Hebrews 11, that's, that's always a bit of an eye-opener that we tend to skip. <laughs> yeah, and but you're going... Well, um, and, and I mean, and, or look at, um, you know, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's one key element that I think a lot of people miss, and it's it's something that he's kind of working in me. And it's when they're talking to the king, and the king's like, bow down and worship me. And they're like, um, no, we can't do that. Well, if you, you know, if you don't, I'm going to, like, throw you into this furnace and yada, yada, yada. And they're like... You know, our God is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't. Yeah. Okay. They And a lot of times, what do you do with the, even if he doesn't? What do you do at that point? Yeah. I, I am convinced that 
God would rather use the even if he doesn't than the go ahead and give you the good gifts. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. I mean, I, I, I think he is a good God. I, I, I do. It's just that his idea of good and our idea of good do not match up. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting that uh, he, his perspective is quite different from ours, right? He mm-hmm. has this much larger time perspective. I've been reading, so we mentioned John Eldridge earlier. I actually grabbed, I listened to a podcast with him, of course, um, mm-hmm. about his new book, um, All Things New, which is about yes, heaven and that eternity. Is a good book. Have you read it? You've are you? Uh, let's put it this way. I have about ten of his books. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I it was so interesting because I think Christians, a lot of us, we we sort of have this view of eternity that does not really mesh with what actually Scripture says. And so, in that book, he's trying to, you know, bring all these things, um, you know, kind of give us a biblical view of of what God's doing, including the restoration of all things. And I was really struck this this week as I was listening to it that you know God is going to he has this much bigger picture of who we are and our and our what we're called to do and what we eventually will have right we go through these hard times and we we uh think about all the things that we've lost and you've lost a lot I mean it's you that's some of the stuff I mean you can't imagine your sister and seeing that as a little kid no wonder that's scarring um but it's you know he's going to restore to us the things that uh, that he that we've been taken away. And I heard that this week on, in this interview, and I was just I was literally filled with a hope I didn't even expect it to have, and I've never had or haven't expected in a long time. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I I really it's it's funny because you know a lot of people. Well, I'm going to go to heaven. Well. Until he restores everything, yeah, that's true. But then the Bible says that he's going to make a new heaven and new earth. Right. right. And, you know, the thing that he says, um, and I don't remember where it is. I'm not one of those I can quote chapter and verse. I wish I was. (laughs) Um, I'm working on that. But it, 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 um, it says basically, you know, for anyone who has lost father, mother, Mm-hmm. Sister or brother, for my sake, will be given that and more. And I'm like, and and when I when I read that, I was like, oh, okay, I don't know what to do with that, but okay, right? You know, um, I don't know what to do, and I I I am not gonna sit here and tell your audience that I suddenly have this like great relationship with God and I've sorted out a lot of these issues that I've brought up. I, that's not the case. That is, that is so not the case. I am, I have still, especially, you know, when, when you're sitting there and you're wondering, okay, where is the money going to come to keep our electricity on this month? Yeah. Because right now I have no idea where that's going to come from. Um, or, uh, they want to take my medical insurance because of some stupid moron doing something wrong. God, where are you in this? 
Um, and you know, even this week, it dealing just dealing with some of the stuff of life, you know, sent me into a a place of just really dark thoughts. So I am not going to sit here and tell you, your audience, that I have everything figured out. I don't. I just know that. I just know that that God is working with me, and yeah. He's working with me where I'm at. Right, and that's the beautiful thing, I have to say. Um, it's you know that's the experience that we have sometimes. And uh, Teresa, I thank you for sharing your story just so openly. Um, I think it's really powerful. Um, before I share where everybody can find your story and your your show, do you have anything you want to leave us with? The Bible says in in Jeremiah, um, it says. God says, seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. It doesn't say you have to have everything sorted out before you seek him. You can come to him and question him, even with your baggage. Whatever that baggage looks like, you can come to him and you can question him. He's not afraid of the questions. And that's one of the things that I have learned. He is not afraid of the questions. He never says in his word, you should not question I think that's something that the church is that's falsely said. Well, you never should question God because he's God and you don't know anything about it. You don't know everything. Every, every time I hear something to that effect, I, I go, but he invites us to do so. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Teresa, thank you so much for sharing your story. Friends, you can find Teresa's show, um, the Unresolved Life podcast in iTunes. And you can go to unresolved.life to get um, the podcast, see her website. Um, you can also just go to halfwaytherepodcast.com. I've got links to all of that, including all the books that we shared here. Um, check that out. And you can sign up for uh, notif- notifications so that you can get um, each and every show right in your inbox every Monday when it comes out. Teresa, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate your story. And it was great to make the connection. And it was it was wonderful to be on your show. Thank you very much.